This is Live Well Talk on Human Trafficking. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Union Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital. Joining me today on the podcast is Erica Allball and Marilyn Gerhold, members of the St. Luke's Stop Abuse for Everyone or SAFE Committee, as well as the Human Trafficking Subcommittee to discuss human trafficking and what we are doing as a team here at Union Point to raise awareness and educate the community and hopefully prevent uh, this horrendous crime from happening. Erica, Mar- uh, Marilyn, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, human trafficking is real, and Liam Neeson, with a peculiar set of skills, is not going to show up to save you, right? I mean, this is this is the real deal, and it's 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 sad, uh, but it's real. But I think I think a lot of people probably feel not in this country, not in Iowa, not in Cedar Rapids. You know, this is something that happens in the Middle East or Eastern Europe or something like that. But t- tell me a little bit about the problem we have locally, as well as just the concept of human trafficking, but what's it mean for people in the community and listeners? Yeah, it's kind of the hub. The you know, hub. We have the 380, I-80 intersection. So it's a major transportation um, vehicle for our traffickers because they can connect those big cities of Minneapolis, St. Louis, Omaha, and um, Chicago by bringing them through Iowa. And as you said, Dr. Arnold, we in Iowa tend to think that it doesn't happen here right, in Iowa. Right. So it's a perfect place for those traffickers to bring those victims through here. They often hide them out in small towns because, again, it doesn't happen in our small towns when, in fact, it actually does. And, I mean, it can happen. It can it happen to both male and female, and it's not all children. I mean, it just kind of tell me about who 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 does this happen to? Who's at high risk for being trafficked? Yeah, that's our vulnerable population. Those are, you know, a great number of people that are being trafficked are in foster care. Um, our youth huh. are extremely um, vulnerable. They, um, those who are living in poverty or those who are maybe mentally um, challenged, whether it's a disability um, or, um, oh, there's, there's several. Runaways is another huge one. Our traffickers um, know who to prey on. They know where to go, where these, um, especially the youth, um, are hiding out or are going to. And so they're there to, to groom them then to become victims. So I think our internet is another place. They know how to find those people who are searching certain places on the internet. Wow. Yeah. The internet's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, just just bad. You know, I think the anonymity of it, the, right. the depth of it, right. um, there's bad people out there yeah. and they use it as a tool. I mean, you read about the grooming gangs like in, uh, I can't remember the city in, in uh, England um, that had the grooming gang that they that went on for like a decade. But you read those articles and it's like, these guys were pros. I mean, yeah. they, yeah. this was structured to, to build trust and to get them to draw them in. Right. Uh, they didn't just walk up and kidnap them is what I'm no, saying, but, no. but they got them either addicted to drugs or, or somehow they built up this relationship and then abused it. Right. Um, is that what happens here too? Yeah, I, they're master manipulators. They really are. They know who to, to look for and stuff. And, you know, we had a local girl. Some of our victims, too, can be victims who are abused at home currently. We had one local girl who was being abused by her mother's boyfriend originally. And um, at the age of 14, she ran away from a treatment center and was actually picked up by a trafficker down here at the Hy-Vee on First Avenue, was taken to Chicago. And it was an undercover cop that was working in Chicago that ended up bringing her back to Cedar Rapids. Wow. So absolutely, they are, they're your master manipulators they know where to look and what do i do what would lead me as a just a community member to 
suspect that maybe human trafficking is occurring as I interact with people. What 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 would I see and, and who should I tell about it? You know, that is the hardest part is because your trafficker isn't your guy who drives around a big Cadillac, you know, looks like a pimp, wears the chains and all that. It's your average person. So it's hard to identify who a trafficker would be. In fact, it could be your neighbor. It could be somebody you go to church with. Um, our advocate with Chains Interrupted said that she had a girl that um, disclosed to her that her mother was actually trafficking her, but nobody would believe her because her mother was a professor. So it is very hard, but you want to be looking for signs. And, and Erica will give us um, some of the signs to look for um, when you notice it. And, and I'll let you take that, Erica, because there are some things that whether it's something they say, a name they might call somebody, um, it might be an older man with a very young girl. So you mm -hmm. want to just be looking for things that are out of the ordinary. So something that just doesn't feel yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Erica, yeah. tell us about that. What what would what would, should I be looking for as mm -hmm. as not only as a physician, because it's the listeners. Mm -hmm. uh, I know the 600 members of the medical staff all can't wait to listen to my podcast when they come out. So I know they'll be listening. Mm -hmm. But as far as community members, what would I be looking for? Um, looking for certain tattoos. Um, daddy is a very big one. Um, also looking for someone that won't make eye contact. If you come across someone and they don't know where they're at, um, they're not able to talk without the person that's with them answering for them. Again, also be aware of who's with them. If it, something doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. And don't be afraid to ask a social worker um, for their ad advice in uh, certain situations. I mean, this certainly falls, I'm guessing, under the mandatory reporter duty. For us clinicians. Yeah, actually it doesn't. Really? Unless they are a minor, then we go into um, mandatory reporting mode. But the person that comes in that might be a victim has to want help. And we can't force them to, um, to want that help either. Uh, the first thing that we do talk about with the nurses is we need to separate the person from the room, um, take them into the restroom, get them away from their phone, um, and away from anybody else that could have brought them into the emergency room. And then at that point, ask them if they need help. If they don't want help, unfortunately, we just reassure them, if you ever do, that we are a safe place and you can come back and we are able to help you. Hospitals are safe places. Are there other safe places that people could go to? Um, I mean, obviously, law enforcement and right. police stations, et cetera. Right. And that's where it gets kind of tricky because not everybody's educated on human trafficking or what to do. Some of these victims are kind of perceived to be maybe prostitutes, so they're not going to be treated the same. So really, it's hard for them to find people that will help um, and that understand. I know in you might have seen it too while traveling in like gas station bathrooms, there are human trafficking hotline numbers. Yeah in the bathrooms for them to call. So there's definitely um, people they can call and they can come help them. But unfortunately, because not a lot of people have been trained on human trafficking and what to do, it's it's really up to the, the hospitals and the healthcare providers to get this information out. And then we're also working on the community-wide and getting more education out there so um, more people are able to assist. And... Do, do we immediately call law enforcement when we suspect this? How, what do we do? Okay, so what we say first of all is to let the social worker know, let the charge nurse know, house supervisor know. 
Um, and then we have a, a, what's called a safe binder. And the safe binders are located in every nurse's station in our hospital, including the ER. And in that binder, we have a tab for every kind of abuse you can think of from elder abuse, child abuse, um, and human trafficking abuse. Um, in that binder, it's going to give a list of information on what to do, your protocols, your algorithms on what to do. Okay. Um, we can call a few places here in Cedar Rapids. We do use um, Chains Interrupted. Teresa Davidson is the CEO and founder of Chains Interrupted, and they do have safe houses, the Harbor House here in Cedar Rapids, that um, they open up to survivors to help them get out of the trafficking ring. So we do definitely have our resources. We do have some police officers at the Cedar Rapids Police Department that have been trained as well in human trafficking. So we can call them, but we do have to be really careful of um, who we contact. So these um, victims or survivors are treated the way they need to be treated and not seen as um, a prostitute or something else. Have we seen, you hear about the illegal immigration and the border and the controversy mm -hmm. regarding its openness right now. Um, have you seen that in, increase the number of human trafficking? Uh, they say it does, but have you seen it? Right. We don't have very good statistics on human trafficking to know exactly um, the, immig the immigration status uh -huh. of those. Um, are they out there? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, here in Cedar Rapids, we... I don't yeah, think we really we have not much, really identified yeah. any as being immigrants. Because they, I mean, they, they they give indication that the drug cartels, this is like a subsidiary business they have now that makes them billions mm -hmm. of dollars a year mm -hmm. is human trafficking. Yeah, it's yeah. guessed to be about 150 billion. Actually, only second to drug trafficking. They've surpassed the arms and weapons trafficking, and it, and yep. both the Homeland Security and the Department of Health and Human Services says that human trafficking is the fastest growing. So probably will outdo the drug industry at some point. Yep. Wow. As of right now, labor trafficking is the number one um, trafficking business, um, but 80% of it is sex trafficking. For the money. For, for the money. To, yeah. to the coyote or whatever, to yep. get them across the border. Wow. Yeah. What are you doing to raise awareness? Other than the vast listening audience of this podcast, what are you doing to raise awareness around the community? We go out um, quite a bit to do education. Um, in the hospital, we talk to different departments, educate them on the safe binder, um, what to do, uh, random stops around the e ER, kind of given some quizzes so everyone's informed on what to do if they do um, get a blue dot on a cup, which is one of our processes in the Right, ED. right, to signal that. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, and right now we are, Marilyn, um, Samantha White, and Dave Phillips and myself are on the board for the system-wide for Un Unity Point Health. And I'll let Marilyn kind of explain a little bit of well, that. Well, it's actually a chartered work group that we started earlier this year for human trafficking. And so we're working with um, people from each of the affiliates throughout Unity Point, And we've just started that to bring more education out to the hospitals and the clinics. Um, we know that they say that 88% of trafficked victims are seen by a healthcare provider during their um, captivity, we'll call it that. And the majority of them are seen in emergency rooms. Yeah, so we yeah. kind of focus our training on the emergency room, even though we know urgent care and your women's clinics and your outpatient clinics also see those victims. Um, right now, we're kind of focusing on getting that information to our emergency departments. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, I certainly see the posters, the other mm -hmm. information around the hospital. The, the blue dot, I've seen those instructions too. Um, 
Did the pandemic influence this? Uh, do, did you do we think it increased during the pandemic? Absolutely. Because of um, no school for the kids, they were all home. And what were they doing at home? They were online. They were using their computer or their Xbox and oh, Fortnite yeah. and everything like that. Um, less resources were available at that during that time. So we don't know exactly if there was more human trafficking happen because we didn't have a lot reported. But we did see a very large increase of um, internet um, uh, pornography. Um, a lot of those pornography sites were giving free prescription subscriptions to people during that time because they knew they could lure them in lure them in. So yeah, the pandemic did put a big um, wrench on our education and being able to identify um, our victims and helping them. Yeah. I, I mean, the old saying, idle hands are tools of the devil, uh, certainly was true in this circumstance with the kids at home. I hadn't mm -hmm. thought about that really. Um, you know, Dr. Arnold, you mentioned something about what we watch for here in the hospital. We gave you some of those red flags that are obvious, like the tattoos, the uh -huh. no eye contact, that. But I think something that often gets overlooked is our patients that come in are under the influence of some kind of substance. Um, many times we look at them as drug addicts or just on those when, in fact, some of our victims are usually drugged because they can become more submissive that way. So we have to keep in mind that when we have those patients come in, that maybe something more is going on than just them using the substances, that maybe they're being forced to use them. Yeah, that's that's a good point, Marilyn. I've always said that mm -hmm. to myself, that the, the alcoholic that comes mm -hmm. for medical care, there's something more going on yeah. because they wouldn't be here if they, they didn't have that. And you really have to ask those tough questions to get to the bottom of that. That's a good mm -hmm. point. And often these traffickers get them on drugs so that they can control them more because they need that drug after they're addicted to it. And so they need that trafficker to supply that for them. Right. So, yeah, we need to look at the bigger picture for all of our patients. It's kind of invisible chains in yeah. a way, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's uh, that's good advice as, as clinicians to look for that. And, yeah. you know, I, when you're talking about Maryland, that we have it here in our community, we have it in a right. rural setting, easier to hide. I can't remember which Sherlock Holmes story it is, but Holmes corrects Watson that it's not the urban centers that have the heinous crimes. It's actually the rural countryside because there's no witnesses, Absolutely. you know, and that not just because it's a pastoral uh, small town yeah. uh, that it's not necessarily free from uh, these, this evil activity. Right, right. Yeah. And we often look away because we don't want to get involved. Right. If Or we don't think it's happening. Couldn't be that here in Iowa. Right. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give, let's say someone that's a victim of trafficking is hearing this podcast, what should they do? I would like them to come to the emergency okay. room. Um, it's a very safe place for them to come, to ask to speak with a social worker or somebody in private if they can get away from their trafficker. Um, or put a blue dot if they go and use the, the blue right. dot program. If they use the restroom, they can put one on that and then we'll seek them out and try and get them alone because we can connect them to the resources that we have available in our community to help them get away. So I would say that would be the number one thing I would tell them to help keep them safe because we have security and stuff that can protect them from, from that person. And also, if they're not able to get to the emergency room or to another office or um, healthcare provider, um, if they do have access to a cell phone, they can text HELP, and that is to 233-733. Three, 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 
and that is the human trafficking hotline um, text messaging and they can get help through that as well. What's that number again, Erica? Um, text HELP to 233-733. Good, good. So January is Human Trafficking Month. There's a month for everything, you know, right? <laughs> yes, Every, there is. You know, <laughs> National Onion Month or whatever. <laughs> but so tell us, what does that mean? Um, it's our month here at St. Luke's to raise awareness of human trafficking in our community. We are going to have the lights outside turn to blue um, to represent our survivors and victims in our community. Um, we're also going to have tabletop information um, tents in the cafeteria at all the um, tables. So people during their lunch, they can read a little bit about human trafficking and signs of human trafficking. Uh, we'll also be doing um, a webinar with Teresa Davidson. That will be a live webinar, and that is on January 26th. Um, there'll be more information on the web, on the hub for that, um, for sign up. Okay. So, and then also we have boxes in the cafeteria and in women's and children's in the social worker um, office upstairs. We are collecting items for the Harbor House in Cedar Rapids. This is the Chains Interrupted Safe House for human vic- uh, human trafficking survivors. So they're needing gift cards for food, gas cards. They're needing um, toiletries, you know, that kind of stuff. So there'll be a list on uh, um, the hub for that. And then every box will have a list of items that they're needing for those houses as well. And and about what's the capability of the, is it Harbor? Like where you park a boat? Harbor? Yep. Okay, mm -hmm. Harbor. The Harbor House, how many people can uh, it accommodate? How big is it? Well, they're individual... um, Living spaces. Okay. There's more than one. We can't really get into too many that, details of what no, they that's are. Fine. I'm just curious. Yeah. You know, what's our capacity? Yeah. Um, as for their capacity, that is also very, very tight sealed. We don't even know mm-hmm. exactly right. that information. We don't know the locations of them or anything. Um, we just know that the houses are full right now and wow. that they're needing some items. So these people are not only at risk for, uh, retaliation perhaps from the their traffickers or, mm-hmm. or their traffickers returning. Yep. And like the um, survivor that you guys helped out with, with the donations for the tattoo removals. Right, right. That person was also at the Harbor House as well. Okay. So. Yeah. I've, I had actually slipped my mind that we did participate with uh, giving money to tattoo removal. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, I think you brought up another great thing, Dr. Arnold, and that's just the the victim being at risk because of the trafficker. That's something we want to always keep in mind when we're working with victims of human trafficking because they're not too far away from that trafficker. They're being watched. We're often told that when a patient comes into the hospital, Um, that we suspect may be trafficked, that we should turn their phone on to airplane mode because that way they can't be tracked. Um, We want to be careful about the information we send with them because if the trafficker sees that they're reaching out for help or sees information, they're likely to get um, abused because of that. So we want to be really careful. And it's, it's similar to domestic violence where they say it takes like seven to eight times before a person will actually leave a bad situation. It's the same way with our victims of human trafficking. It takes some time for them to be ready to leave that situation for whatever the reason is. Yeah, I, I think what yeah. you're just emphasizing, which I think a lot of people understand, is there is there is a huge psychological component of this. It's not Big. all physical. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's, there's right. a huge psychological. Because they groom yes. them. 
You yes, know, they get them yes. so they yeah. can control them psychologically. And they make them feel guilty if they're going to leave. Right. The loyalty, they play off of that. They've, you know, they've made a relationship with this person. Right. So, yeah, they play off of all right. of that. They may threaten their family members. So there's a lot of psychological reasons. They might not leave a bad situation. We've heard stories where a girl um, was afraid to leave because the um, trafficker threatened her saying that if you leave, I will go get your little sister and do this to her. Yeah, yeah. So. That uh, earlier I mentioned it in the United Kingdom, it was they will kill your parents if you mm-hmm. right. say anything. Right. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Which these people are evil enough. That's yeah. a that's a legitimate. Yeah. Threat, yeah. And they're right it? here. We yeah. see that happen. I mean, even in the emergency room, we had a patient that was in there that through actually came in. We believed it was substance abuse, but through that assessment and stuff, realized there was a lot more going on. And her trafficker was actually sitting in the the waiting area with another person outside watching to see where she would go. So we have to be really on our toes. I think the, you know, the take home for me is it can happen to anyone Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it Mm -hmm. happens everywhere. And that's the thing. We just need to be vigilant about that. Absolutely. Well, Erica, Marilyn, thank you for joining me today. This has been great information. Again, that was Erica Allball and Marilyn Gerhold, members of the St. Luke's Stop Abuse for Everyone Committee, SAFE Committee, and they're part of the Human Trafficking Subcommittee. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk on. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.